I feel like addressing the elephant in the room. Yes, I am wearing the same shirt as in the last episode, <laughs> but this is in fact a different day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should have said something when we were still at your house, because I feel like I noticed, but then I either forgot or was like, nah. You know, it did occur deal. to me too when I was putting the shirt on. I was like, I wonder if I wore this recently in an episode. <laughs> I mean, I like this shirt. I haven't worn it in a week. (laughs) (laughs) I have not worn this before because I did not own this at the time of our last recording. You've been wearing that most of the times I've seen you in the last few days. (laughs) On Saturday and today. Because it it looks good on you. You should keep doing it. I will. It's my trad wife dress, according to Mario. Well, welcome back to the Grannon Podcast, First Draft Films from Indie to Hollywood. I remembered it. Good job. Um, About time, just kidding. (laughs) Uh, We have some exciting news. Our merch store has finally officially launched. You can actually buy stuff now, not saying you need to or anything. Not that we'd appreciate it. There's cool shirts on there. There's like um, stickers and pins, hats, backpacks, uh, travel mugs. Some fun stuff. We'll be updating it too as more of our projects come out. Our original plan was for that to launch the same time as the new website. And we kind of thought we did, but then just turns out you need to pay a little extra money in order to sell stuff. So then we forgot about it. At least I did. (laughs) We also didn't entirely have all the money for all the things. So True. We have to be wise. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So amid the Isabel project and our other client projects and whatnot. Here we are. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so check out the link in the description below. Uh, if you're on YouTube, if you're on Spotify, I don't know if there can be links or I think there can. Well, that'd be cool. If not, you can go to just Google um, or Bing or your preferred search engine and search, uh, <laughs> search Grand and film productions and our website should pop up.com. That is we our, have, uh, our I'm so URL. happy that we have a do- our domain yep. name actually plugged in. Yeah. See, this is all the nerdy business owner stuff that nobody probably cares about except us, but business owners will understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we should pop up on Google if you yep. search Granon. That's G-R-A-N-O-N. If you don't know how to spell that and you're con- you're a watcher of our podcast, um, learn to read. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> also, in general, just the more times you look up something, the algorithm's like that. Mm-hmm. So the more times, if you're just like, what do I want to do now? Oh, I'm just going to type in GranonFilmProductions.com. How fast you get to the top of a search engine is really important. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody is actually looking for us who doesn't know us, then we want them to find us easily instead of having to wade through whatever else that not might be us. out there. If we're on like the third page, which I don't think is the case. Ugh, third page. <laughs> that would be awful. But anyway, yeah, the more you just look up our website in general, the better it is mm-hmm. for people who are actually looking for us. Same with YouTube. Uh, if you're a fan of our work, uh, go to the search bar, type it in. Yep. That, that helps us a lot in the algorithms. Bookmarks are really nice. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. But share buttons. Yeah. I think everyone knows that by now. <laughs> yes. Yep. Also, the like and subscribe if, if that's on your preferred listening, watching thing. Yeah. <laughs> also, we did order some things from our own store, and they should mm. be coming, like, 
I haven't looked Soon. at the tracking for a while, but it was like, like between the 6th to the 12th is when they should arrive in two different shipments. So yeah. super hyped, especially for the pins. Those are like my favorite. I don't know what I'm going to pin them to. Maybe well, we have a backpack. We do. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Super exciting stuff, at least for us. You may yes. or may not care. <laughs> yes. I just, I don't know. It feels like an extra step of legitness as far mm-hmm. as like. Yes, we have a merch store. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Any other exciting news that we can share with the fan? The fan? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I hope there's more than just one. <laughs> yeah, there's two, according to, what was it, Spotify? <laughs> well, I don't know. if That doesn't mean all-time listens. It just meant that, like, within the last week or two, only two people listened to anything. <laughs> so, oh, well. Yeah. But and I think that was counting Apple Podcasts. I mean, too. we do have a lot Maybe. more people watching on YouTube anyway, so. Yep. Yeah. I also like if I were to watch this, which I probably should, I would go YouTube because I like seeing people's faces. I can't yeah. just like hear their voices. It like gets well, lost. Well, you can do that on Spotify with ours. That's right. That's right. It's just kind of fuzzy and small looking mm. because it, the screen is so small and I don't know if it, if Spotify just compresses it a lot or doesn't render it in the full resolution yeah. or what it is it's but still working out the kinks that's a that's a new thing right yeah within the last i would say year they're doing mm. that so mm. anyway cool also it takes more data and more oomph from yeah. that regard i always play with this cord like constantly every time i'm gonna like here we go look at our fancy schmancy drawer that we have <laughs> there we go i will be less fidgety with it now Put it with your hands that's what they're for yeah, when I do that, then I end up destroying them. Like, oh. hangnails. See? I was like... Anyway. Anyways. Blood um, happens when I fidget with my hands. And we don't want that. Yeah, Especially live on the podcast. <laughs> We're live? Again. Great. Sorry. <laughs> no, not that kind of live. Um, anyway, Brooke, what are we talking about today as far as topic? Um, well, in addition to our normal ramblings and tangents, we are going to try and stay focused on the topic of literature and movies. <laughs> so big <laughs> yes book or book to movie adaption specifically yeah. yes okay yeah that, that was so the wording. Uh, we were we were talking about it just a few minutes ago and we were like oh we should save this for the camera but mm-hmm. I, I think some things that we definitely want to talk about we can talk about the jane Eyre adaptions that we've seen oh, yeah. we can talk about lord of the rings that's people have already given. tuned out but yes lord of the rings <laughs> kate you and i are some of the only people who care about jane Eyre. i think that's not true and your mom <laughs> My mom does watch mom. the podcast. My mom's the best. <laughs> but yeah, we could uh, we could talk about that. We can talk about all the Jane Austens. Like we, we've seen a handful each. Yeah. Um, Lord of the Rings. I have a lot of thoughts and opinions on that. And The Hobbit, as a matter of fact. Um, and uh, Narnia. And Narnia. Mm-hmm. I think that is more than we can cover fully. Like talk about. I mean, we can't talk about Harry Potter in full because you haven't seen the second half of the movies. You've only That's seen true. through the first four. Yes. Well, why don't we start there? Thoughts on the Harry Potter movies that you've seen compared to the books because you just finished reading the series yeah. for the first time. Yeah, I did. It's been a while since I've read the first four books, so the, f- the later three are still on my mind because mm-hmm. that was 2019, I think, when I... Again with the sirens! I mean, it is downtown. Time. Just like, can't they let up for once? <laughs> anyway, that... Anyway. So, um, everything that I say about the earlier books is not super fresh, so my apologies in advance and Same. bear that in mind. It's been years since but, I read them. But you have read them more than I yes, have, like there was, more than once. There were many years in my life where I read them every spring. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I've only read them once each, except for the first one, because I read that as a kid and then forgot most of it and then read it again as an adult and remembered mm. a couple things. Like, most of what I remembered, I don't even remember why this was what stuck in my mind, was the troll in the bathroom. Because <laughs> that's an iconic scene. Well, I don't know. I, the thing that I remember is the, the little heading, an artwork heading at the beginning of the chapter. Mm-hmm. The description did not at all match what it said about the troll. Because I remember it saying that the troll had like big flappy ears. And the drawing of the troll had like no ears at all. I think that's why I remember. Huh. But again, my memory was this is from when I was like really little. So <laughs> that may not even be accurate. But yeah. um, if we're talking about, you know, essence, content, and form, the Lewis thing, essence being like the soul of what it is, content being what actually takes place, and form being, you know, format, structure. And you can play around with different elements of each of those. And depending on what you change, I think that keeping the essence of it is most important. And I think that's where a lot of fans, just in general, people who read the books first and then they watch the movies, they will tend to feel upset if the form is and content is changed even mm-hmm. if the essence is the same. Mm-hmm. And the thing about essence is it's it's more intangible. You can't put down on paper what the essence of Lord of the Rings is. You know? You'd have to write a whole trilogy about it. You'd have to write <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I think that's where the just having the, the passion and the love for the book mm-hmm. comes in cuz anybody can be like, "Oh, this X, Y, and Z happens. I'm going to write a screenplay." Mm-hmm. But then, well, and that's why I think specifically Lord of the Rings is so effective. They truly like captured that essence. And you hear stories about like the actors talking about their experience on there and it's like all the actors were embodying the essence. The whole crew, yeah. they were just fully in this world both in making it and in it, acting in it. And then you compare that to The Hobbit, and now I haven't seen as many, like, BTS or interviews of that, but just watching the movies, like, the first one, I feel, captured the essence and the content and the form and stuff. But then the second two, they really missed what the book was, which was mm-hmm. a children's book, right? Yeah. They tried to turn it into this epic they and match Lord of the Rings. The, yeah, they tried to do the same thing that they'd already done. And, yeah, and then, A, that was already done. B, that's not what their story was, Yeah. right? But then tying that back to, to Harry Potter, you know, I, I've probably seen the movies more than I've read the books at this point in my life. Okay. And there's something really magical about the first two. And then there's that tone shift in the third one. And it's escaping my mind who directed the third one at the moment. But, was um, it Alfonso somebody? Oh, I think it was. Alfonso I think it was. Cuaron, obviously. Uh-huh. It. Like the first two books, they definitely have that whimsical childlike magic about them. And you see that in the movies. And I love that. And then the third book also takes a dark turn, just like the movie. And I've never met anyone who just hates the third movie or book because it, you know, that's when everyone turns 13, not everyone, but that's when Harry and the main kids turn 13. That's a big turning point for a lot of people just in general. And like, they're basically starting high school, right? You know, grades one and two, that that's middle school. Great year three, that's, that's the start of high school. They're starting to become adults. They're starting to face more adult problems with Sirius Black coming out. And I feel the movie really captures that kind of dark, magical element to it while still keeping the hints of whimsical childlikeness mm-hmm. versus like the seventh and eighth movies. You know, they mm-hmm. don't have that whimsical childlikeness because they're almost adults. And I love that comparison, which I know you haven't seen the last yeah. one, so I won't compare too much, but they, they both have that darkness. Uh, but then the third one still has that childlike whimsy and it's beautiful and I I feel like they just did such a good job 
getting that essence of the book and maintaining the characters and plot and all that. Yeah, I think as far as content and form, from what I remember, the first four movies kept the, the form pretty well. They just had to take out so much content. Especially the fourth one. Like, the first three were short enough, I feel like. They didn't have to take out too much. But the fourth one, they took out so much. In terms of content. Yeah. Like, the climactic moments for both of them, I remember, like, especially with the fourth, fourth one. Reading yeah. it, like, at the time, I, I did a lot of door dashing. And I was, like, sitting in a restaurant that was taking a long time. And I brought my book, and I was sitting there, and I'm reading it, and the food's ready. And so I go in the car, and then, like, it's just, like, and that was the climactic graveyard scene and all that and I remember yeah. and then the movie came along I was like well this is this is the the form but it's just shorter yeah <laughs> and same with the you know the shrieking shack and everything mm-hmm. in three mm-hmm. so but essence wise I think they did a very good job yeah. with what I've seen so far yeah cool what do we, which one do we want to talk about next gosh I want to talk about Narnia I want to talk about Lewis okay. I'm still reading the space trilogy because I'm a little slow I'm a little busy <laughs> yes <laughs> okay what was I saying earlier to you you said that Lewis doesn't really do subplots in his fiction. Yes. Okay, so I've read Narnia. I read it for the first time, like, last year. And now I'm reading the Space Trilogy for the second time. I've caught up to where I was when I stopped reading it the first time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, like, halfway through Paralandra. And the main thing I've noticed, especially comparing it to other literature, is that he doesn't have a lot of subplot, or hardly any. Uh, in the Narnia books, it's very straightforward, for the most part, there there's some characters and, and some subplots, of course, but it's only to flesh out that world. There's no excess of it. There's no bogging you down with all these stories trying to come together to make a story. It's just a story. And, and what I really noticed with Perlandra is you're, you're following Ransom to, to Venus, and he's alone for a long time until he meets the lady. And then he's just alone with her and, like, the animals. And then Weston comes back. And and I don't know. There, there's just no subplot there, right? The plot is Ransom needs to find his purpose on Venus. And then when the lady's introduced, there's the subplot of she wants to find the king. And he still needs to find his purpose on Venus. So he's going to help her find the king because that's, you know, potentially that's what his what purpose he can is. what do at this point. And then Weston shows up. And then he's like, oh, that's my purpose. And then the lady's still like, I need to find the king. And that's... So far, that's all the plot there is. I haven't figured out exactly what Weston's there to do, but I have some suspicions. <laughs> You're going to love the end. Oh, You're so going to love it. Like, I remember but, that probably um, really, really clearly. Yeah. Yeah, but with, I mean, there's, there's three characters, right? So far in, like, almost the whole book, yeah. except for the beginning. And I don't even remember the beginning. I don't, like, remember the beginning. The beginning is, the like, <laughs> Lewis himself talking with Ransom and... and sending him off to venus and stuff oh it was pretty cool i really enjoyed that but once again there there's not really it's all just the same story right there's lewis essentially the narrator himself um going to meet dr ransom to write down his story and collaborate in notes and stuff and, and thus help him go to venus you know and that's the whole plot and it doesn't need to be more complicated than that because the way lewis wrote it you're so invested in these characters, specifically Ransom, and his journey and his purpose and the whole world that he goes to, Venus or Mars or whatever the hideous strength is. I haven't read that one yet. I know what that one's about. It's so (laughs) beautiful, and the way Lewis describes it is so immersive. Um, He really touches on all the senses in, like, the perfect way so you can really, like, be there with Ransom. And so you don't need subplots to keep you entertained because it's, it's about this world. It's not about 
all these stories. It's about the world. And I think that is kind of a beautiful reflection on like some aspects of this world, right? We don't need to be constantly like doing things. It, we could just like be. That got a little philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> but we also have to find our purpose. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you can you can stop and eat the sweet juice. Oh, what was the queen had this one line, the lady, where she was talking about time. I think it was time. Essentially what she was saying, whether she was talking about time or not, was when you go to a tree and you pluck the fruit from it and take a bite, it's the most delicious thing you've ever eaten. But then if you try to go back to that tree the next day and take a sa the bite of the same fruit, it's not going to be as good. And so she, she was talking more about like desires and stuff, like just in a general sense, nothing weird. <laughs> and Ransom was also talking about that and they were having this conversation about the fruit and how like you don't need to want that same fruit multiple times. There's something about this world, the air, the water, the, the food that, that you just, whatever you come to first, you take, you take that and you eat it or you drink it and that's the most amazing thing you've ever eaten and then you go on about your life just meandering through this beautiful world and then, oh, you're hungry again, oh, I'll take this one and it's the most delicious thing you've ever eaten. And Kinda like living in the moment. Exactly, that's what it is. And so you don't need to dwell on the past joys. You don't need to be gluttonous and eat more than you're filled because it's never gonna taste as good as that first bite mm -hmm. and you don't yeah. need more than that first bite in this world, right? Yeah, and I think that was just beautiful because it, it just like you said, it's living in the moment, it's speaking to just how fallen our world is where we're always trying to live in the past or the future. And I think Ransom talked about that too in the book. And then the lady, of course, just like didn't understand because she has no concept of that, right? That world is not fallen like ours. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the next Lewis you should read. I mean, there's all the nonfiction you could read, which yeah. is all amazing, but Till We Have Faces. That yeah. apparently was Lewis's favorite work of his own Whoa. that he ever wrote. That's cool. Yeah. And I'd be very interested, I mean, <laughs> to hear your thoughts on all of this, <laughs> but like that one, that one is really interesting. Yeah. But anyway, to bring it back to movies, um, yeah. the Narnia books, like I was telling Kate earlier, I think Lewis would have really appreciated both the BBC and the American adaptions of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I think they were both fantastic. I think the newer one that most people are more familiar with captured more of the essence of it. And then, of course, the BBC ones were more literal. And now the BBC did five movies, I think. Mm -hmm. They started with The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and went up to the silver chair. So maybe that's only four. And then the, the modern adaptions only did the three, and they got kind of worse and worse. Worse in the sense of changing the stories and characters. Um, yeah. Like, I saw the movie Prince Caspian before I ever read the book, and I love the movie. I still do, even after reading the book and seeing how different it is. I was expecting from the book much more of an adventure story, and it was much simpler and I was kind of disappointed I remember so I, I need remember to reread it that you were disappointed <laughs> I know but because I was comparing it to the movie and now that I understand the differences I, sh I need to go back and reread it but yeah the movie I do feel overall Prince Caspian captured the essence of the story of the book Prince Caspian but in content and form they changed so much especially about Peter's character they and made Susan's it more character about Peter than about Caspian in a lot of ways yeah which was I feel like they did more damage to Peter's character that way. They really way did. Because they made they made it all about him and like doing trying to do all these things and mm -hmm. then messing up which like Yeah. 
that well, kind of there was the like for him. <laughs> there was the like jealousy aspect i believe in the movie where like peter was jealous of caspian or something like that um yeah so i would actually disagree about the essence in that case really? i'd say content was partially similar form more or less similar mm. except for the thing the content that they added or changed mm. but essence Maybe I need to rewatch it. I don't know. I, I've only seen it, I think, once. And that was mm-hmm. years ago. So I'm going off of. Yeah, I've probably only memories. seen it like twice, too. So. <laughs> but then The Dawn Treader. It's, it's a decent movie, I think, if I remember it correctly. <laughs> but well, compared to the book. They completely changed the form oh. and the content. Yeah. So therefore, the essence is like out the window. Yep. They should have just been like, oh, we're going to make mean, a movie about this. You can and then have <laughs> the essence without the content and form. But. Not in this case. Not in this case. No. But the first one, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, that truly captures what the book is about, I feel. Yeah. In every way. You know, they, they expanded on a lot of things, because the book is written quite simply. Mm-hmm. And I really loved how they expanded on the characters and the story in the movie, and how, they, how it made it feel more real. Because as a kid, I think I've talked about this with you before, but as a kid, you know, you're reading Narnia not my experience, but I'm imagining. You read Narnia and you can kind of fill in the blanks with your imagination, right? You know, their stay at the beaver's den was pretty short, but in your imagination, you know, you can imagine when he says they ate this or however he said it, you can imagine it more and you can feel it. You can almost be there with them, make believing and stuff as a kid, but as an adult, it's different. I read it very less imaginatively at first and it was like, this is going by so fast. But I think it's because kids read a lot slower and therefore have time to process and imagine, whereas I, I didn't do that, right? I read them all each in one day, except yeah. for the silver chair. I so. mean, <laughs> speed of reading, I don't mean. I mean, like, you can slow it down and, like, be there more in your mind as a kid. Whereas an adult, you just kind of, like, read and read and read. Yeah, so it was very interesting. Once I, once I understood that about the Narnia series, then I was able to enjoy it more. And I think that happened probably around Don Treader when I was reading. Mm. I was like, oh, this is written for children. I need to be in the mind of a child reading mm. this. And then I was able to like kind of fill in the blanks. And then I think The Silver Chair is probably my favorite book. That one's so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's actually the one that I took two days to read. Mm. Because I read the first three chapters or so, and it begins a little more slow than some mm-hmm. of them. And I was like, eh, I'm not feeling this. Yeah. <laughs> so I just didn't read it. Maybe that's why I liked it a little day. more. It wasn't know, quite so fast, fast, go, 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 ignore character development. <laughs> that one actually had a lot of character development. It did. Yeah. Uh, I remember that was one of the most disappointing things about Caspian is it felt like the Pevensies were just kind of like there trudging mm-hmm. through the woods. There was no real character arc for any of them except Lucy. But her character arc was also rediscovering Aslan, which she didn't necessarily need to do. No, oh wait, no, I'm remembering that wrong. She was the one who could see Aslan and everyone else was like, no, Lucy, don't run off into the middle of the woods, especially Susan mm-hmm. and Peter. Well, that's their character arc. Yeah, is, but it was so minimal. It was very remember, subtle in the book. I remember it being like extremely frustrating because you know she's right. And so just being very, very frustrated with all of them. Yeah. And so it, I think I was that journey is too. super powerful. I think I just wish there was more, especially because I was comparing it to the movie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I was seeing, like, Peter, Susan, Edmund, why don't you... I guess Edmund was the first to realize, but, like, why don't you remember, like, why don't you see what Lucy's doing? Like, it was just dumb, and then in the end it was like, oh, yeah, sorry, Luce, and then, like, all better. Kind of... That's how it felt. Mm. But I need to give that one a reread anyway. Now with the Janes, the Jane Eyres, 
We still have a few more to watch. We do. But so far, none of the movies, I feel, have captured the essence of the book. I think the sixth has. But we disagree on that. Which one was the sixth? Um, Toby Stevens and... That one was the closest in terms of essence, I will say. But for me, reading Jane Eyre, it was a mystery thriller with a romance subplot. But all the movies treated as a romance movie. With a mystery subplot. With a mystery subplot, sometimes. Like, some of the movies really don't, really downplay that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really disappointing, because that, that's what drove the story for me, is, like, this nerdy girl who I, you know, relate to in a lot of ways, um, she's suddenly thrust into this job, and she's just, she's just going to do it, right? That's her spirit, that's her, her confidence, she's just going to do it. And then she, like, meets this interesting man. But then also weird things start happening at the house. And, like... The whole mystery of it is what really kept me going. I, I didn't really care much about the romance until partway through. Mm. Yeah. But then all the weird things that kept happening and Grace Poole and <laughs> that was so good. And then the movies are just like, Grace Poole, oh yeah, she's in there sometimes. <laughs> A lot of the movies, I don't feel like capture Mr. Rochester very well. Mm-mm. Or either of them, Or honestly. Jane, really, no. And I think part of that is laziness on the part of everything yeah and they try and put it in this historical context which i get but they also underestimate i think how humans were back then like the way it was written to me jane is almost exactly like who i see myself as right but then the way she's portrayed in the movies is this kind of like stoic demure like like mousy and some of them she's very mousy like she's very much not mousy in the books she's very feisty and she will always speak her mind and be honest Mm because she has that confidence yeah that some of the movies take Mm -hmm. but it's still not quite enough to in my opinion (laughs) it's it's definitely the best one but but i don't think it's still quite enough and then with rochester you know he he's a man right he's not shy in that way but he is reserved until you get him talking and you get to know him and then he like opens up like crazy um but a lot of the movies miss his humor mm-hmm. and the timothy dalton one is the only one that has the gypsy scene which is my favorite scene in the whole book because he's like playing this prank on jane <laughs> oh, it's kind of awful it. but i love it because he like tricks her into thinking he's in love with someone else and then like surprises her <laughs> And it's like, haha, I got you. I'm in love with you. And you're in love with me. And she's like, ah! But he doesn't overtly say it. No, in he that doesn't. Scene. He doesn't. Like, at all. So <laughs> the, the romantic tension between them is great. And the movies just kind of like gloss over that a lot. Well, that's what I really like about the 2006. Mm-hmm. I think they did a great job with the characters. Toby Stevens wasn't as perfect a Rochester mm-hmm. as he could have been. But the other, in the other ones, the romance doesn't make sense. Like, it could even be construed as creepy. Yes. But in that one, it's not creepy mm-hmm. because you see that they are, whatever society says about, oh, she's just this poor, yeah. poor woman and he's just this rich guy or whatever. Like, yeah. they truly are equals. They are, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, they're, they're equals on so many different levels, yeah. life experience aside, and and they understand each other in a way that nobody else does. Mm-hmm. And that that's super important. Yeah, it's that that um, that chemistry and the, mm-hmm. the connection and the understanding and the the sympathy, mm-hmm. like even unspoken yeah. that you know and that, that like the 2006 just like that's one of my favorite parts about the book, like like <laughs> I 
like in one of their first conversations where they're talking and he's like oh well like did, were you like in the middle of a seance and where the what about the men in green and she's just playing along with it and she's like oh no the men in green they all abandoned england a long time ago and mrs fairfax is like <laughs> what are they talking about because yeah. she's just completely on a different level yeah <laughs> but they like get each other mm-hmm. in that way and that's what i really like about the 2006 version yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> As well as that one just being, like, really artistically well done. Yeah. Yeah. And we still have a few more. I was actually just thinking about that this morning. Like, oh, we need to actually watch. Like, I think there's a 70s version and the 1996 that mm, we haven't seen yet. Right. Or the 1930s one. There's so many. <laughs> there's so many. No, on a slightly different note, I've never read any Jane Austen beyond, like, the first few chapters of most of her books. Mm. Her style is really not my favorite. Mm. I, I can't really get into it. But I've enjoyed the movies based on, on her books. And specifically in in regards to Emma because that's one of the things we recently watched with your mom Um, we've like watched all the Emmas and I really like well a Clueless I think that's one of the best (laughs) if you can't Clueless there's five (laughs) yeah but the the newest one with Anya Taylor-Joy I thought that one was really fun uh, and colorful and silly and to my understanding that's more of what Emma the book is it's more of this kind of fun am, am I remembering the right one it's it definitely Emma? the one that kind of like it's really lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of humor in it. Yeah, which a lot of people don't get because it's Jane Austen. It's it's a different time period, right? The humor is different. But I feel like this newer Emma captures a lot of that humor, and not just in the writing, in in the costuming. And there was like that dance scene. Remember, all the servants they were like getting ready for the ball, and it was like this choreographed dance. What I remember is that the servants were such a like a bigger presence, even though they yeah. didn't have lines. Like all these like background people in period dramas who mm-hmm. were just sort of there, like holding a tray. Like they they had like so much personality yeah. in this one, and they, they'd move with things that, like they'd all like turn at the same time, and it would go with the music. And mm-hmm. then, or what what is it when you first meet um, Emma's dad? Like one mm-hmm. of the first mm-hmm. scenes, of, and, and Miss, when you meet Mister Mister Woodhouse, he he like kind of like jumps down the last two stairs and like lands. Bang on the on the ground and the music is like bang. It's like oh, this is different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. your average historical drama, but it's they, very fun. Yeah, I think they 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 kept the the content and the form and essence yeah. very well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, and of course I love the Gwyneth Paltrow one, but that's more of a drama, mm-hmm. and I feel like Emma is more of a comedy. Yeah. Oh, it totally is. Yeah. Yeah. I believe there's a term for it, but. I think I was reading, because I, I read Emma recently in the last couple of years for the first time, and I believe Emma was one of the first books where you're, you're, you're in the protagonist's head, but she's so not self-aware, but you as the reader are completely aware with what's actually going on, <laughs> but she's not quite up to speed with where you are, and they use a specific term to describe that, that oh. type of book, and that was one of, like, one of the first novels that was written that way. Oh. And now it's it's been done more often, but yeah. like, that's so fun. <laughs> like where she, she's so certain of herself, and she's so kind of like conceited, not in the, the worst way possible, but she's like, oh yes, I got this. Like this is, <laughs> and then yeah. you as a reader are like, mm, I'm starting <laughs> to think you're actually very much not on the right track. Yeah, and then you turn out to be right, and you're like, well, I told you, Emma. <laughs> so that's one of the super fun things about the book mm-hmm. that you also get in the movies. Yeah. But like being in Emma's head in the book and that is just extra fun. So. Yeah. Other than plans we already have. Is there a book that you would love to adapt or readapt to a movie? Other than plans we already have. Um The Little White Horse mm. by Elizabeth Gouch. And apparently there was a movie done of it 
loosely based on it called like Moonacre or something. Oh, uh huh. Like like kind of like a, like a nineties kids fantasy movie, I think. Mm-hmm. And I recently heard of that in the last couple of years, and I was like, wait a second, <laughs> that is one of my favorite books mm. that I have only read a few times, but I really, really, really like that one. And it's it's a children's kind kind of like going along with the orphan girl gets sent to live with the rich uncle trope and it doesn't seem to be a fantasy but then it totally turns out to be a fantasy Mm. and there's a mystery element there too and there's some really cool subplots and it turns out that her imaginary playfellow from when she was a kid his name is robin he's actually real and so she ends up meeting him again and now she's like a teenager there's this bay with these sort of pirate guys who are evil and they call them the black men because they they like they were all black not not a ethnic thing and it's just like just the descriptions of the world and everything is like it was one of those books that i i felt like i read in a dream but then i did have concrete enough memories to know what it was and so then when i rediscovered it as like a a teenager at some point i, I read it again and it was like this is just as good and i really like this and yeah. yeah, nice. So I think you would like that one too. Oh, I believe it. It sounds similar in a good way, not in like a copying way, to a series I read called Fable Haven, hmm. where these two kids, brother and a sister, get sent to their grandparents' house, and then they discover that it's magical. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right. And that has a uh, five books, and I would love to adapt that into a movie. I think nice. that would be such a good movie series or a show. There's a lot in those books, and it has a spinoff series about dragons, which I've never read. It's a good series. I would I would totally adapt that. And then To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. I really want a modern movie of To Kill a Mockingbird. Not set in modern day or anything, but you know the the only movie made of it is black and white. And I just think it would be such a beautiful movie if we made it today. It would be. Mm-hmm. There are things I really like about that movie, but then a lot of things that they really undersold in the movie mm-hmm. as far as the drama and the intensity and the scariness of what's yeah. actually happening. Mm-hmm. That wasn't really there no. for me. But I think people's favorite thing about that movie is like the small town ambiance, which yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. And it wouldn't be too hard. I mean, yeah. just got to get some real quality kid actors. I know someone who could play Scout, actually. What else do we want to talk about? We threw out a bunch of names at the beginning. Um, we talked about Harry Potter. We talked about Lord of the Rings, sort of. We talked about Narnia. I Emma, mean, what more can Jane. be said about Lord of the Rings? Everyone knows the movies are perfect. <laughs> Except Tom Bombadil. But I understand why they cut him. I do. Oh, I recently learned there's a whole bunch of scenes that never made it into the extended version, even. What? Of Arwen. What? Yeah. Huh. Like, there's one scene where she, she visits Galadriel. Um, And then there's a scene where she's at, like, Helm's Deep. Is it Helm's Deep? Wow. I think so. Yeah. I seem to have heard of that one. Uh Uh-huh. And, yeah, they never even made it into the extended edition. I was looking up pictures of her costumes because I want to get one of those. And, yeah, yeah, it had had those two. She has this purple dress when she's visiting Galadriel, which is really pretty. And then she has this, like, red-ish. It's like a dark brown kind of, like, fighting outfit for when she's over at Helm's Deep, I think, if that's where she is. Yeah, wow. crazy. Are the are those scenes like available? I hope so. I mean, watch? they were filmed. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine just how much didn't even make it into the extended editions? <sighs> Jeez, I know. It's crazy. Anyways, but 
the movies, they're just... Did you hear about how Hodorowski's Dune was supposed to be 12 hours long? Wow. <laughs> See, I wish we could talk about Dune, because, but we've never read the books. So. Yeah, all we have is hearsay. Which Soon. Is valid hearsay, but still. Maybe next thing. spring we can talk about Dune, because yeah. we're going to watch it this fall and read the books. <gasps> oh my gosh, that's really coming up. October? Is it, is it in October? It's October, yeah. Dang, I'm so excited. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Then we can watch the older movies and read the books. I'm very excited. Yeah. yeah, but really, what what else can be said about Lord of the Rings? Like, they're, they're just fantastic. Obviously, extended yeah. version, not theatrical version. Theatrical version cuts too much. I watched the theatrical version first, and I still think that the theatrical version is great. But most people go directly for the extended edition, and then I understand why you wouldn't appreciate the theatrical version. Mm-hmm. I was raised on the extended, not knowing they were the extended. And then when I saw the theatrical for the first time, I didn't know I was watching the theatrical. And so I was so confused, because I was like, wait, but what happened? They, they, they're missing something here. It's specifically Return of the King. I remembered mm. they cut, in the theatrical version, they cut out the part after Frodo gets wrapped up by Shelob, he gets taken to the goblin, the orcs tower and like stripped of all his stuff. And then Sam comes and rescues him. They cut that from the theatrical version, or at mm-hmm. least they cut it down. Cause I was so confused watching mm-hmm. the theatrical version. I was like, wait, how did, where did, oh, wait. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. And so I, I think with the theatrical version, it's not just that they cut the content. I feel like you miss a lot of the characters. Not mm. necessarily the plot, but just a lot of the characters and a lot of the world. Because it seems like that, that technically aren't important. But you get a... <laughs> that's where Samwise the Brave gets his name, right? Mm. He storms this orc stronghold to save Frodo. It's such a beautiful moment for his character. And people yeah. who've never seen the extended just don't know that. And there's moments like that through, through the whole trilogy. Oh, one of my favorites, too, is, is in The Two Towers with Merry and Pippin in the Ents. That's almost non-existent in the theatrical version. They're just mm. like, all of a sudden, oh, Isengard saved, or something like that. <laughs> and I, I love that because it's, it's, again, it's building that world. It's showing this other sentient race of beings and just how impactful they were against Saruman and Isengard. Like, they just slaughtered the orcs. Yeah. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. And, and Merry and Pippin's hand in that. Like, people who don't watch the extended or or don't read the books will never understand just how important Merry and Pippin were in yeah. so many ways. I mean, Pippin is one of my favorite characters and they're, they're just so underrated. Everyone kind of forgets about them. Oh yeah, they're the comedic relief, but they're not. Yep, that's <sighs> what the movies, that's one of my complaints with the movies is they don't really differentiate between Merry and Pippin other than, other than them having different accents. <laughs> yeah. And if we're talking about other things that we didn't like, I really don't like what they did with Faramir. In the two towers, either. Yeah. Because he, they made him sort of antagonistic and then changing, but it was never like that in the books. Mm-mm. Never. I love that. So Samuel. that was annoying. Yeah. It's like they added that whole subplot, like Frodo and Sam needed any more difficulty in their journey. <laughs> they really didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I can see why they did it from a movie perspective only, in terms of like the beats of that movie. It added it added tension for sure in a moment where otherwise tension would have mm. laxed, but overall they they could have done it in a different way. Yeah. yeah, but of all the gripes to have, that's not really a big one. No, <laughs> I'm just thinking about how much I love Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Moments like when Gimli asks for three hairs from Galadriel or a hair, and she gives him three from Galadriel's head. That moment is just so beautiful and it doesn't need to be explained. But if you know the history behind it, it's like really cool. Mm. Yeah. 
I have so I could talk about Lord of the Rings for hours, so <laughs> yeah. we should change the subject. I feel like that's everything we wanted to talk about. Pretty much. And some of it was a little bit skimmed over, but <laughs> well, we could talk about all this for many hours. We really could. Books were my first love. Yeah. And probably still are over movies, mm. honestly. Mm-hmm. I feel like it helps me stay grounded. Yeah. And starting to read fiction again is what made me appreciate reading again because there were oh. several I was going to say many years, <laughs> not many, <laughs> but when I only read nonfiction. Mm-hmm. And then it was, I was like, why does this seem like a chore every day? Well, I wasn't reading enough fiction. <laughs> yeah. So when I started doing that, it even helps me to appreciate the nonfiction more mm-hmm. and helps me to stay on top of reading more of it. Yeah. So. Well, of course. I mean, humans need that creative, imaginative element. They're yep. I, I was having this conversation with someone, it might have been you, about fiction and just how important it is and how to go without reading fiction is just awful. Like, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine going without fiction. I mean, that's my whole world, right? <laughs> but yeah. but it, it boiled down to, this conversation boiled down to fact versus meaning and how humans need meaning. You know, we we need to associate meaning to things, you know. Fact, fact is, Jesus died on the cross. Meaning is eternity, right? Yep. And that's just so important. And and I feel like we as humans need need that meaning. And so fiction provides us with that in a lot of ways. And I I guess nonfiction could, but it not nearly in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. But I still choose to read nonfiction. Oh, of course. Because. There's so many benefits to nonfiction. <laughs> yes. I'm not trying to say that, yeah. but you need the facts with the meaning. Yeah. Yeah. And I know some people who kind of go super hard either direction, especially with people who who put nonfiction on a higher pedestal. Yeah. And I would even say nonfiction as in something that's not narrative because like a good biography can read like fiction, mm-hmm. like what we would consider fiction oh, or yeah. read like a novel like mm-hmm. the McCullough version of John Adams excellent mm-hmm. excellent biography probably the best biography I've ever read neat so yeah. and it reads kind of like historical fiction even though it's not like super thrilling necessarily all the time because it is giving facts mm-hmm. but that one is really solid yeah. so nice yeah well do you have any final thoughts for our, our fan <laughs> Sorry. Will you stop saying that <laughs> Now all the fans who are watching are going to be like, is it me? <laughs> You'll never know. Well, okay, fan. You are loved and appreciated. Um. <laughs> That's all she's got. That's all I've got. <laughs> oh, no, but man. seriously, thank you so much for watching, yep. uh, listening, or whatever, watching without yeah. listening. And um, we hope you've, we've inspired you to check out some of these, not only movies, but also books we've been talking about. Yeah. If I know not everybody's a huge fan of reading, but we recommend it. Mm-hmm. And it can take a little more discipline sometimes because it takes longer. And um, not everybody has a lot of practice in exercising that imaginative muscle to create mm-hmm. the movie in your own head. So I think that's that kind of... A lot of people get hung up on that mm-hmm. element because you do have to exercise it differently than when you're in a movie but yeah it is worth it so mm-hmm. any of these fiction books that we've talked about highly recommend mm-hmm. and so many more there we, we could go on for hours oh goodness yes <laughs> but uh we're not gonna do that yeah <laughs> 
So thank you so much for listening. I, like she said, I hope we inspired you to go watch or read something new. Leave us your thoughts and comments down yeah. below on our Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, etc. And uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, do whatever you do on this platform. And yeah. we'll see you next time. Bye.